going. I actually want to preach tonight on prayer, but God has led me to start with the prayer of Hannah tonight. And uh, let's look at verse 10 through 15. The Bible says she was in bitterness of soul. You probably know, but just in case you don't, I want to tell you. Sometimes I assume everybody knows and they don't. Hannah did not have a son and she wanted a son. And if if you know anything about Samuel, Samuel was God's answer to Hannah's prayer. And Samuel became uh, really the last judge and the first prophet of Israel. And so um, when it says she was in bitterness of soul, that means during the time before she had a son. And and that's what she was in bitterness in soul about. She wanted a son. I just want you to understand that when we um, get started tonight. She was in the bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. We're going to come back to that verse, but I want us to read through verse 15. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Let's look at verse 27. God gives her the child, and this is what she says concerning her child. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of Him. I want to preach tonight on the the, the simple thought of prayer. If I had a sermon title, I suppose it would be, It Pays... To pray. It pays to pray. I chose this lady to, to start as we, we're really going to look at about three or four different examples tonight of prayer. And I want us to look at verse 10. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. I am convinced that when we are burdened with our prayers, that Somehow, some way, they seem to influence God in a more powerful way. God desires that we pray with all of our being. That we don't just simply say things for the purpose of saying things. Or that we don't just uh, mark aside a time and, and say, I'm going to pray for 15 minutes a day, so we try to get through 15 minutes. But there is something about passionate, sincere, burdened, anguish praying that somehow seems to reach the ears and the heart of God and cause change in our world. One of the difficulties about preaching on prayer is that if you've been in church, it's like saying that God loves you. 
It's like saying that God's grace is magnificent. And it just is sort of something we think we already know. We're not going to learn anything new. It's not going to, we're not going to hear anything tonight that just, that just stirs our soul. But I believe if you will tune your spiritual ears in, that God will stir your soul to see that prayer is much more profound than what we have allowed it to be in our lives. You see, it's possible to believe in the power of prayer. It is possible to believe that prayer works. It's possible to believe in the idea of prayer and yet do very little praying. It's possible to know and to really believe it that God answers prayers, but to do very little honest praying for people in need. Thinking about something is not the same thing as praying about it. Wishing that God would do something is not the same thing as taking some time to stop and get in your prayer closet and talk to God about changing that thing. Prayer changes things. I think about another woman who wanted a child. It was, it was Rachel and she had watched Leah give, give sons to Jacob and, 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 and Rachel was very jealous of her sister Leah. And in Genesis chapter 30, In verse 1, Rachel says this to her husband. She said, give me children or else I die. That was how desperate she wanted children. If you read through the rest of that chapter, you will come to verse 22. And and she is pregnant. and, And the Bible says this about her becoming pregnant. It says the Lord heard her cries. The Lord heard her cries. Now, the Bible tells us that she said to Jacob in verse 1, Give me children or else I die. But in verse 22, it tells us the Lord heard her cries. She was in such anguish that she was able to pray, Give me children or else I die. I pray that somebody tonight gets a hold of what the Spirit wants to say to you, that until you get to a place in your prayer life and your dependency upon God, that you become so desperate that you would rather die than live another day without God's blessing on your life, you may not experience the breakthrough or the answer to prayer that you're looking for. It is time that we learn that passive praying doesn't produce much. God wants us to be tenacious about our prayers. God wants us to be, to be steadfast about our prayers. I will guarantee you that Hannah, as it tells us, she continued to pray. I will guarantee you, as we look at Luke chapter 18 later, and that woman, and we think about Rachel, these people did not pray one time and then say, well, God didn't give it to me, so I guess maybe God didn't want me to have it. They were in anguish. You know the reason that a lot of us don't ever get certain things out of our life that we really want out is because we don't be, we're not anguished about it. We don't get serious about praying about it, about asking God to help with this thing. We do a lot of talking about the problem in our culture. Very little going to God, the God who can fix all problems. Tonight I want you to know that in some small degree... This is a rebuke on our church, and I feel that in my spirit, and it is a rebuke on me as part of our church and as part of my own private prayer life. But my thought has application in in a much larger capacity just to our culture, the Christian culture as a whole. We talk about problems all the time. 
Political problems, president problems, news problems, these problems, church down the street problems. My guess, and this is just an honest guess, and it's nothing but a guess. My guess is that the average Christian talks about problems at a ratio of about 10 to 1 compared to the amount of times they pray for those problems. My guess is that the average Christian who says, well, we'll pray about that, actually prays about that, maybe one out of every ten times they say they will. And the reason why is because we have lost the real spiritual understanding and hunger for prayer. We have lost the reality that prayer changes things. If there's one simple statement I want you to get tonight, it's that it pays to pray. Prayer does change things. God hears you when you pray. We can go boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. And God is the one who meets our needs. And there's nothing that He cannot do. It does pay to pray. There's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or any church or any community that did not begin in united prayer. I am, to some degree, a student of the Christian history of the last 2,000 years. I've looked at all the Great Awakenings. I've looked at the 1st, 2nd, 3rd century churches. I've looked at the, uh, really, when the Catholic Church ruled and it was the only church. I've looked at the, uh, the uh, Luther's uh, Reformation. I've looked at the Great Awakening, the, the Awakenings that have occurred since then. And there is one constant theme that marks every great move of God. Prayer. Oh, I pray that God would help us to hear it tonight. I've watched people that, that, that have tried so desperately to influence their situation through manipulation, through pressure, through nagging, through begging, through every possible way. It might be in a relationship. It might be through something they... Uh, something they want done. It might be a job promotion. It might be a situation in a marriage. It might be a situation with children. I, I've seen people, Christians, exhaust themselves trying to influence a situation in their life and yet do very little real praying about it. Can I tell you that God, in one moment of answered prayer, can do more in your life and in your family and in a community by simply moving from His throne to answer our prayers, then all of our efforts put together over a lifetime. He is that capable. He is that possible. He is that strong. And we can go to Him boldly before the throne of grace. Our problem often is that we desire revival. We desire an awakening. We desire something fresh and new in our life. We desire God to move in the church. We desire to have powerful services. But at the same time, we neglect prayer about it. I'm here to tell you tonight that when we desire something and refuse to pray about it, we are conflicted. It is to wish one way and then walk another. James chapter 5 and verse 16 tells us the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, James goes on to say that, that Elijah was a man like us with like passions, and yet he prayed and the heavens were stopped up for three and a half years, and then he prayed again and then the rain came. Elijah. 
I really, I just, I mean, if all of us could get this here tonight, I'm telling you, it would revolutionize our lives forever. But if one person could get a hold of it tonight, I'd be satisfied with that. You know how hard it is for us to really see Elijah as a man like us? If we're honest, honest with ourselves tonight, we actually see Elijah and the, the, the people of the Bible, we see them more like Captain America and Iron Man than, and Superman than we do see them like us, don't we? And when we buy that lie, we read their stories and we think that somehow that doesn't really apply to us. That there's just a small surface meaning about living by faith that applies to us. The Bible tells us these things were written for our learning so that we might learn them, that we might know them. And James said Elijah was a man like you, like me, with like passions. That means he struggled with the same junk we struggle with. Brothers and sisters, if we just really do one reading of the Bible, we know they did struggle with the same stuff we struggle with. Okay, I need water. Anybody know whose this is? Great. It wasn't before now. hope that doesn't gross anybody out. <clears throat> it doesn't gross me out. We have a difficult time seeing the people of the Bible as people. Seeing the stories as real stories, as history. Not fairy tales. Prayer is spiritual business. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus told the people, My house shall be called a house of prayer. I was going to go somewhere with that. About one man. I want you to know that as we look at all that is going on at Crossway, and there's some exciting things coming up. I mean, it, the vision God has just continued to give. I was out spending time today with God praying, and I've known for a long time that the ministry had reached that tipping point where it was bigger than me. And, and what I mean by that, it's not that it was ever for me, but it used to be small enough that I could kind of oversee everything a little bit. I, I can't. I mean, there's stuff I don't even know. It's just too big for me. I, I've only got two eyes, two ears, and one life to live, and this thing is bigger than me now. And there's an element of I've just got to trust. You know, I've got to trust that we've got the right people in the right place and that they're spiritually discerning and that they're going to serve the Lord and that they're, going, that they're going to do what they do for the Lord, and I'm just going to have to trust that. And as we grow and continue to get bigger, that's just going to continue to expand. And so that's what I mean by when I say it's bigger than me. But I was thinking about all of our ministries and everything we do, and brothers and sisters, the most important thing we can do is pray. There is nothing more important than, we can, than praying. Nothing. Not preaching. Not teaching. Not fellowship. Not even church. Prayer is the one thing that we can do that immediately brings us into the presence of God. And the, the thing that's amazing about prayer, everybody can do it. You. Me. 
Jesus spoke about from the least to the greatest, that, that all will be able to come to the throne of God. And if one man could change the course of history through his prayers, at other times in history, then one man can change the course of history through his prayers in this day of history. I just want to encourage you to be people of prayer. You let the fires go out in your prayer closet. And your life will look smart and clean, but it will be cold. A man that prays will, when I say stop sinning, I don't mean that he'll become sinless, but that he will sin less. A man that prays will stop sinning. And the man that sins will eventually stop praying. That's just the way it works. There's something powerful about prayer. It's like it guides our lives in the right direction, even when we're not praying about specific things that it seems to guide us to. It's it's like it keeps us safe. It it keeps us in the presence of God. It, It keeps us hearing from God. I truly believe of all the duties that have been entrusted to us, there is none more neglected than that of prayer. None more neglected than prayer. We have a lot of activities, a lot of things, a lot of activities, stuff that we do. But very little prayer. I would rather do half the activities and up the prayer than to do three or four times the amount of activities and neglect prayer in the process. Look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, we have a parable. Jesus said in verse 1, Then He spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me and my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him, though He bears long with them? And I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He, find, will he really find faith on the earth? First of all, I want you to know the Bible's not telling us that God is an unjust judge. Jesus is simply making a point that if an unjust earthly judge would grant the request of some woman he doesn't even know just because he's weary of hearing her, how much more will a loving God who is perfect and just answer the request 
of His children. That's His point. And here's what He says. This is how you ought to pray. Jesus uses this as an example of how we ought to pray. There are some people who say things like, well, if you pray once and and you pray again, that means you didn't believe that God would answer your prayer. That is baloney. It's unbiblical. And if you think that, you need to repent of that false biblical thought process. It's not right. We should pray and believe that God hears, but we should keep praying until we see God answer. If you remember, Daniel prayed... And, and he, he needed release, and the angel eventually came and released Daniel. The Bible tells us Daniel prayed for 21 days. But the message of the angel was, God heard you on the first day. Now, it wasn't until 21 days later that David saw the manifestation of his prayer come to pass. God heard him the first day. But notice, Daniel was not rebuked for continuing to pray and seek God. This is a clear example where Jesus says you ought to continue to pray. Hound God. I'm convinced sometimes God is, is, is slow in answering our prayers because he, he just simply desires for us to come to Him. And, and for some of us, the only time that we ever get with God is when we actually need something. God knows if He answers this thing and everything's well, you won't be back for another two weeks. God teaches us things in the place of prayer. We've got to learn to be persistent in prayer. Can I say something? Yes, I can. Because I have the mic, and you know that I love you. You know one of the things that frustrates me is when people need healed here, and they won't come every week and let us pray for them until they need to be healed. It's a lack of faith. What it is. It's pride getting in the way of not wanting to be anointed, not wanting people to gather around you. I'm convinced if our people would break through that junk and let us pray until we saw healing, we would see a lot more healing. I can't understand it. I don't know, and I'm not God, and I don't know when God's timetable is for everything that He does. I know that God did not heal the same way every time. I'm studying the book of Isaiah and just recently came across Hezekiah who prayed that God would restore his life and give him more life. And the Bible says that God gave him 15 more years. But it's interesting that God told Isaiah... Here's how God gave healing. God told Isaiah to go do something specific, find a specific plant, and apply it to the boil. And he did so, and he got well. It's one of the few times in the Bible, better way to say it's one of the only times in the Bible we see the idea of God using medicine to heal people. But if it's in here once, it's enough. God can heal any way that He wants to. Most of us are just not like this woman. We'll mention our request once, and many of you won't even mention your request because you think it's too petty or whatever excuses you have for not wanting us to pray. Here's the one thing I can guarantee you, and you have my guarantee. You can sleep on it. You can think on it, and you can let it eat at your soul at night if you're guilty. I'm actually giving you the guarantee If you refuse to pray for it and you refuse to let us pray for it, you're not going to get the answer. That is my guarantee. I can guarantee you if you came in here tonight and you needed healed of something, anything, and didn't let us pray for it, guaranteed, 
You're going to walk out the doors the same way you came in. Now, here's what I can't guarantee. I can't guarantee that if you did let us know and we prayed for you, that you're going to be healed right away. I cannot guarantee that. I don't know how God works. My point is this, though. Man, we need to be praying consistently over and over and over again. You know, I have certain things in my life I've been praying for for 10 or 15 years. How long did Abraham pray for his son? 24 years. Have you ever prayed for anything for 24 years? I haven't yet. I'm not old enough to say, honestly, I've prayed for one thing 24 years. Most of us give up after 24 days if we make it that long. Man, i got stuff in my life I've been praying for for 10 years. And I'm not giving up. I prayed for them today. Just as fervently today as I did 10 years ago. And I'm telling you, something stirred up in me as I started reading this Scripture today, getting ready for tonight. One of these days, God's just going to say yes. I know it. I know my heart. I know that I'm praying in His will. I know that my desire is for His glory. I know that it's not about me. I know that I'm truly praying so that His name can be lifted up. And I know that in God's time, on God's day, in God's purpose, all that stuff I don't know, but He does, it's going to be answered. And you can rest assured until it does, if I have to pray another ten years about it, I will pray another ten years about it. Prayer is powerful. It pays to pray. Men and women can be moved by prayer alone. Do you believe that? It is possible to play a role in changing somebody's life with never even talking to them by just talking to God. It's possible. I'm telling you, God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. We need to pray. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for brothers and sisters that are hurting. We need to, we need, and when people give their needs, we need, to, we need to really pray about it. Not just here, but when we're out praying. Prayer changes things. Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. Always. And not lose heart. Let me ask you tonight, is there anything you've lost heart about praying about? Is there anything you have lost heart about praying about. Jesus says in verse 7 that God will answer the prayers of His elect. He said, I'll tell you, He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on earth? Isn't that an interesting question to place at the end of this parable? He's talking about praying. And again, I I sure hope that I don't hurt anybody's feelings tonight. But I am here to help you. And I'm here to tell you truth. And I'm here, hopefully you came with the willingness to put the mirror up and say, God, is this me? When Jesus is talking about the persistent widow who prays and prays and prays, and says, this is how you ought to pray. He says, nevertheless, will the Son of Man really find faith? That is an interesting question to finish that parable with. And it teaches us this very simple, undeniable fact. Regardless of what you think, regardless of all your excuses for it, your unwillingness 
to pray consistently and regularly and to have God's people praying for you is a lack of unbelief. It's what it is. Jesus said, will he really find this type of faith? I look at that passage and I look at my own life and I find myself guilty at times. I find myself saying I know that God answers prayer, but not really praying. I find myself saying I know that God can do something great, but when God, I know God needs to do something great, I just think about it. I mean, I've had some of the most amazing thoughts of what God could do in somebody's life. And, and, and I mean, I just pictured the whole thing, right? Their life transforming and them being on fire for God, and, and God's going to use them, and I'm just, I'm just thinking about it but not uttering a single word about it in prayer, not asking God to bring it about, just thinking about it as if somehow my thoughts produce magical things out there somehow, some way in people's lives. And I think if we have faith, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith. Faith without works is dead. How can I say I believe God answers prayer and then not pray? Faith without works is dead. If there's anything that we really need, it is a commitment to prayer. A real commitment to prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. It's been said that the Lord's Prayer has been repeated by millions of people daily who don't have the slightest intention of letting anyone's will be done but their own. You know the Lord's Prayer. Well, part of it says, Your will be done. How many people pray that? But really, they're just wanting their will done. You see, it's possible to say words without really praying. It's even possible to say prayers without really praying. It's possible. Prayer is something that comes from the heart. When we opened our text, we saw that real prayer comes from the heart. It says that Hannah was praying, but her lips, her lips were moving, but there was no voice coming out. And then it tells us something interesting. God heard her prayers. Isn't that powerful? I believe in praying out loud. I think it's healthy to pray out loud when we come up corporately. I believe it's biblical that we pray out loud. But I also think it's important we pray quietly. That you learn how to pray in the quiet place. Prayer is not about how loud you pray or how quiet you pray. Real prayer simply is a matter of the heart. It is communicating with God. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. Well, I have a handful of random thoughts tonight about prayer. I had a hard time finding a way to organize this message. But I want to finish with this. We need to learn to pray with precision. And we need to understand and believe on the authority of the Word of God. Prayer changes things. 
there has been a dangerous doctrine that has worked itself into the American church. Meant for the purpose of, of, of lifting up God and making God look powerful and in control, but in many ways it's been misrepresented. And the, the basic idea is that God's going to do whatever God's going to do. Or that God's in such divine control. That everything is predetermined. I just simply want to say, when you take the Bible as a whole, and that's what you have to do, you cannot take one passage of Scripture and base your theology on it. When you take the Bible as a whole, that's ludicrous. If God has already determined everything and we have no such, such say in the matter and we're just, you know, He forces one person to pray this and He forces another person to be saved and forces another person to go to hell and forces another person to, to, to turn from Him and He's just, he, we're all puppets, then it doesn't matter to pray at all. But the Bible tells us to pray repeatedly. Jesus said, you ought to pray. That you ought to pray fervently. That you ought to pray affectionately. You ought to pray regularly. You ought to always pray because God hears you when you pray and it changes things when you pray. I'm telling you, God changes things. God changes things when we pray. What time is it? 8.20. Okay. God changes things when, when, when you pray. Several years ago, I knew, because God had showed me and it was in my heart, I knew that as our ministry grew, I would be eventually going other places and ministering. For the first three years that we started this church, I couldn't go anywhere because we just started a church plant. Didn't matter if I was sick or had the flu or what, I had to be here. I knew as we grew that we would need an assistant pastor. I thought I knew who the man was for the job, but it, it, he wasn't the man. And I didn't know who the man was, but here's what I did know. I knew we needed him quick. I knew that if, I was, if we were going to have to develop somebody, that it would take some time to develop somebody. And so I began to pray, God, send whoever it is. Literally, within six weeks, Branson came to the church and got saved. And within two months of him being here, I knew he was the one. Why? Because God answers prayers. I knew he was the answer to that prayer. We've watched people be healed here. We've watched people who were said, Chris and Brittany, you can't have babies. We're not going to have babies. That's what they said. Now you got two here and two on the way. Huh? Just one? Okay. Three. They said none, but there's three. Because God answers prayers. Lynn, I don't mean to embarrass you tonight. Or you either, Jesse. But about six weeks ago, I got real burdened for you and your family. I missed you. 
I didn't like coming to church and not seeing you here. It bothered me. And I had tried a couple of times, I had had, and I tried a couple of times to talk you into just getting back in here. But about six weeks ago, I got burdened about it, and I began to pray about it every day. God, just do whatever it takes to get a hold of them and bring them back to this place. And I'm not saying that to embarrass you. We love you, my friend. You belong here. You are my brother. When you hurt, we hurt. But I began to pray for real. I mean every day. I mean laying in bed at night as I'm, I can't go to sleep and I'm thinking about things and praying about things. God, I pray for Lynn tonight and I pray for Jesse. God, show him you've got a plan for his life and that you don't give up and that you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And that you haven't brought him this far to leave him. God, I pray. I'd pray on Saturday nights. I don't know if it works or not. I haven't asked you yet. But I'd pray on Saturday nights. God, I pray he'd go to sleep tonight thinking about getting up tomorrow and coming to church. I pray that he'd wake up with a hunger to be here. And you know what? About three to four weeks ago, I showed up and you're here. And guess what? You're here tonight. Because God answers prayers, my friend. You know, we ought to be praying for each other that way. Prayer is real. The God you serve is real. Elijah was a man like you and I. He's a man who blew it. He had like passions like us. He's a man who had victories and then went and hid in a cave like a coward for a, few, for a couple weeks because he's afraid the woman was going to track him down and kill him. And where does he have his returning moment with God in the place of prayer where it's just him, just God, and he hears that still small voice. I'm telling you, prayer is supernatural. God hears prayers. Are you praying? There is nothing we can do more powerful than prayer. I promise you that. Nothing. There is nothing we can do. Nothing you can teach. Nothing I can preach. No outreach we can do. Nothing's more powerful than prayer. And I'm not saying those things are unimportant. They are. matter of fact, I believe prayer is what really fuels those things. But the root of it, the start of it is prayer. Prayer does the supernatural work of coming from our heart, going up to God's heart, and then God going and working on the heart of the people we're praying for. That's supernatural work that only God can do. We need to pray more than we've ever prayed before. The spiritual adolescent says, well, it's just a prayer meeting. I don't think I'll go. The spiritual adolescent says, well, the last thing I can do is pray. Spiritually speaking, if the last thing that you do is pray, then really all that you've done is prayed. Until we really fall on our faces before God and seek His dependency in all things and, and realize God hears our prayers and ask God to move in our ministry and ask God to anoint us in the, in, the, in the areas that we are the body of Christ, until we went to God in prayer, we're just doing what we do in the power of our own flesh anyways. Which won't amount to much. Prayer is not the last thing we can do. It's the first and foremost thing we should do. Everything else should be birthed out of prayer. Man, I look around tonight at people and I see answered prayers. That's what I see. We've got to pray, amen? We've got to pray. 
I'm going to go ahead and ask Chris to come. I wasn't sure if I was going to give an invitation. But here's, here's what I want you to do tonight as, we just, as I do give you a chance to respond tonight. There might be some people that you want to pray for tonight. Maybe tonight there's a need that God has burdened you that you need to be praying for that you haven't. I want to encourage you to come and pray for that need. But, but I don't want us to miss the point of tonight's message from God to us. The point is not necessarily that we need to pray for that one thing that we're burdened about right now. The point is that we need God to rekindle within us a passion for prayer. That's the point. And so the main thing that I would ask you to pray about tonight, the main thing, not the only thing, but the main thing, that God birthed within you a new passion for prayer. That God birthed within you a new vision and faith. Jesus said, when he, will He really find this faith? Persistent praying. Pray that God would rebirth within you a passion to pray. A commitment to prayer. Because I can promise you, if that takes place, and if a revival of prayer in your own life takes place, that thing that you're thinking about praying about, you'll pray for that thing. What God can do is, there's nothing that God can't do. The options are unlimited. Unlimited. There is no sky with God. There is no top level that you can't break through. God, He's the God of the universe. He's the God of the universes of the universe. He's the God who speaks and it is. He's the God who thinks and it becomes. There is nothing that God can't do. Oh, that God would give us a renewed vision for the power that you have and I have to change eternity, to change people's lives by being faithful to going to God in prayer and saying, God, do this thing. God is so good. God is so good. I was going through a struggle about I don't know, a month ago maybe. I didn't share it with anybody in here except for Branson and for Kevin. And I asked you guys to pray about it. You remember that? In my office. I know for a fact they prayed about it. I hadn't even told them yet. I know they prayed about it. Because I felt the weight that was on me lifted in two days' time. I knew it. And I've been praying about this thing for a while myself. I've been trying to battle this thing myself. Believe me, I've been praying about it myself. I just couldn't shake this thing off. And so I told them, you know, this is kind of what I'm going through. This is kind of what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. And, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be okay, but I could use your prayers. And I'm telling you, I woke up the next day feeling quite a bit better. And I, I woke up two days later feeling pretty feisty, ready to go. Let's do this. And I had some pep in my step. Because you prayed. I know you did. Because prayer changes things. It really does. It pays to pray.